Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Check it out now. Uh. No doubt now. Uh. Thursday morning, January 30th, 2020. It, it is the Beating the Book Podcast, Megapod, Gil Alexander, no Mike Palm, Todd Wishnev, and on our Super Bowl 54 special props edition, with some game handicap as well, Jeff Parlay. Jeff Parl's returning to the show as well. Gentlemen, thank you all for being here. I appreciate the entire season. Okay. Now, here's... No one, no one says anything. <laughs> no one thank, says thank anything. You, th- thank you for having me today, Gil. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, will, I will speak for the other two, and I, I would imagine they will thank you as well for having them all year long. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. One of us mm-hmm. has to be an adult here. Todd, please take your telephone far away from the damn microphone. God bless America. It's been 20 shows, man. Look, I'm researching the big game right now, so just <laughs> <we're> done. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you just find out about the matchup? <laughs> Wait, we're talking about Ryder at Monmouth, right? Yes. 10 a.m. Sunday? That's correct. Yes. Ryder at Monmouth. We take That's this cool. break from Australian Open coverage to give you Super Bowl thoughts. <laughs> Gentlemen, let us start with props. Well, actually, you know what? Let's start with the game itself because all of this is related. Your props, you know, in theory ought to be somewhat correlated with your game handicap. So real briefly, I don't know that there's a lot to say uh, about Super Bowl 54, which hasn't been said all week long, but we really didn't say it in this format. So, uh, Jeff, we start with you as the guest. Kansas City, the Chiefs, one-point favorites over the Niners. Total opened at 51.5. That is where I jumped on it. So the only game bet that I made is the first line that was released was at halftime of the Niners-Packers game. It was 27 to nothing. Uh, in the NFC Championship. Offshore, they put out lines immediately. Kansas City minus one, and the total was 51.5. I thought that was an egregiously low total. I leaned Kansas City. I actually parlayed the two because I thought it a bit correlated that if Kansas City wins, most likely it will be an over. So that's what I have. It has since moved. The total has anywhere to 54.5. Even some 55s out there. I believe the South Point ticked at 55, but now it's 54.5 consensus. Jeff? 
your thoughts on Super Bowl 54. So I, uh, I, I'm sitting on a plus 750 Chiefs Super Bowl picket right oh, now. Oh, yeah. So, so, so I'm in a scenario where I will likely let the thing ride and probably have no action whatsoever on the, on the traditional sense of betting this game. Uh, I still lean Kansas City. They have the best player in the world in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that offense is something that San Francisco hasn't seen this year. And the most similar quarterback to Patrick Mahomes that they've seen is Russell Wilson. And they struggled against Russell Wilson twice. Granted, Wilson is is his own entity, and he's the second-best player in, uh, uh, on the planet right now behind Mahomes. And, and But they really struggled with Russell Wilson the two times, even though they still should have probably went 1-0-1 or maybe even 2-0 in those two games against Seattle. But I lean Mahomes. I lean the weapons of Kansas City's offense. Uh, San Francisco, to me, and it comes back to something Todd has said all year, and we didn't see it the last two games because once Garoppolo threw the interception against Minnesota that led to three points, Jimmy G was asked to do absolutely nothing the last game and a half. Jimmy G's going to have to do something in this game if the Niners are going to hoist the Lombardi. I don't think he's going to be able to. He's going to make one critical blunder. And that blunder will be the difference. So I like KC. Uh, I also like, even at the inflated total, I like the game over. Uh, something in the pocket of 31-27 feels about right for Ooh, me. Calling his, calling his score right there. Jeff Parles, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, who hosts uh, Market Watch on VEASAN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, Sirius XM Channel 204, 4-6 to 6 Pacific, 7-9 to 9 Eastern, Monday through Friday on the network. Uh, I, of course, host a numbers game, 7 to 9 a.m., 10 to noon Eastern. Jeff is my producer, producer number five. Mike Palm is the conciliary over there at Circus Sports. He is the vice president of operations. Can I just say this? I mean, because everything that, that goes through the thread of this game handicap really does come down to some of the things Jeff was talking about, which is which San Francisco 49ers offensive version are we going to get? The one that we saw in the playoffs that was super run-heavy, or the one that we saw most of the regular season, which actually, for all the flack that he's been getting during the playoffs, it actually was a, a whole bunch of Jimmy Garoppolo doing fairly well. How do you see this game, Mike? Jeez, I don't don't find there's any value betting this pre-flop deal. Yeah. Um, I think the number's about right. Anybody that makes a number on this game probably has it between two Kansas City and two San Francisco, right? I mean, the game is is really close. I, I don't know if I if I want to bet a side here. Um, because you can play this scenario out different ways, and I think both teams have about an equal chance to win. Uh, I think we're undervaluing a little bit San Francisco's offense because of how one-dimensional it's been in the playoffs, but I think it can be more dynamic. I would lean over. Obviously, you got a good number. I thought it came out low. I actually bet it at 52 on Monday after, um, but now it's at 54 and a half most places, um, so I'm not interested in it anymore. Uh, there's some alternate totals that I'm interested in a little bit into the over. Um, and you can shop around because everybody's got a different number, right? At circa 60 and a half over is plus $2. So I think there's some value there. Um, I know there's some even that go into the 70s at plus $6, which may be worth a little bit of money on them as well. Because I think that there will be very few punts in this game. I think both teams will be successful moving the ball. Um, whether or not there are chunk plays and how many possessions are in the game is probably going to determine exactly how many points are scored. But uh, it should just be a really a terrific matchup between these two teams. So only thing I have pre-flop is over 52. 
Yeah, and, and I don't blame you at all. That, that was where the value was, and I agree with you. If someone's landing right now, I'm not sure there's any pre-flop value. And one of the things we were talking about, Jeff and I, on a numbers game this morning at VEASAN, was the fact that with a spread like minus one, minus one and a half, whatever you find right now on the Chiefs, it takes away another big Super Bowl factor, which is that in the last 20 years, for whatever reason, the betting public behavior changes with Super Bowls. So during the regular season, you know, folks who bet the underdog are typically going to take the points. Well, for whatever reason, for the last couple decades, when they bet Super Bowls, they don't tend to take the points. They take the money line on the dog, and it creates this muted money line price on a favorite, which therefore means value on the money line on the favorite. But when a spread is this short, we don't even get that dynamic in this Super Bowl. Um, Warren Sharp, by the way, points out a stat. Chiefs have never trailed by more than, oh, excuse me, Patrick Mahomes has never trailed by uh, more than seven. Uh, and Jeff pointed out, with the exception, I guess, of that Texans game, in his entire NFL career, last time before that he trailed by more than seven was against Iowa State at Texas Tech back in 2016. Niners this year, in the second half, have trailed by more than seven for a grand total of four minutes and 34 seconds in that first game against the Seahawks. So this could shape up to be one of the great games ever, at least through the lens of that stat. Todd Wishnev, Showtime docuseries star of the docuseries action, also frequent numbers game co-host. Can I call you a co-host, Todd? Is that allowed on Wednesdays? Uh, I'm just a guest, Gil. That's all. Okay. Uh, Todd, is we're, we're pulling Todd away from the impeachment of Donald J. Trump. What do you like here, Todd, on the game itself? Oh, we don't talk politics on the Megapod, Gil, and that's a violation of Section C164 D3, uh-huh. uh, subsection B, which states no politics on the Megapod. I'm <laughs> just okay, telling people what you were you. watching. I didn't really give your opinion. So um, you want to know about the Siena-Monmouth game or the or Siena-St. Peter's or the big uh, San Francisco game? Uh, whichever one you want to talk about. Maybe let's do the, let's do the second one. Okay, San Francisco's playing Gonzaga on Saturday, and uh, I'm sorry. No, the the uh, okay, the football game. I think that you know much has been said. It's all been said. It's obviously a tight line. Probably going to be a tight game. The only thing that keeps coming back, and I think Jeff Parles already stole my thunder, is that Jimmy G has the best interception Babbitt of all time. Uh, <laughs> he, <does>. he, <laughs> he basically has thrown the ball through defenders' hands better than any quarterback I can ever remember. Her There's cousins. been many, many chances for interceptions that have not gone against him. And I feel like it's possible. I don't know if you watched the action docuseries, but there was a part of the Super Bowl last year where they were filming, and I said, isn't Goff supposed to make a mistake already? It was about eight minutes to go in the game. And then literally two minutes later, he threw the interception and down at the three-yard line. I just have a feeling that old man Jimmy is going to make a big pick in a big spot, and it could cost the Niners the game. So that's kind of my feel on the game. Of course, I'm not going to pre-flop bet it. I'm going to in-game it because I believe you get more value on the in-game if you want to know why. I think that please look up all my appearances on a numbers game and Dr. Gil Alexander's opinions as well. The only thing that I tell you is better to bet pregame is Todd Wishnev at the LVI versus oh, the Bulls. Oh, God. There it is. Get out of here. Tennis here. reference from Todd Wishnev. Um, <laughs> later on the show, by the way, reflections on uh, the first year of the Megapod from Mike and Todd. 
their first year on the Megapod. One and done? I don't know. I don't know what's coming on Reflections. Maybe that's what they're going to tell me. I'd like to ask, Gil, I'd like to ask Todd. Yes. If he played Sophia Kennan, but at the Sedona court, what would the line be? Well, I'll be honest. Was she Division Two or Division One in tennis? She's the second best American women's She's tennis player. She's playing in the Australian Open final, Toddy. You boob. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I've, you know, usually I beat women's tennis players. I'm two and one overall against them. Oh so you probably God. have to go with me minus 145 because she is, you know. <laughs> Oh, God. jeez. Oh, Sophia Kennan, for those who uh, don't know, has made us tons of money this week. I got her at plus 850 to win the whole thing. Let's see if it happens. Beautiful. Well, you, you should thank me for not betting it and mushing you. Thank you, Lord. You're not kidding. All right. Well, I just want to say this about the game itself, though. I love that this podcast has evolved through the years and literally like we've gotten to the point finally in the year 2020 where it's okay to not have a real strong conviction on a pre-flop bet because there's so many other things the end game being first and foremost among them but obviously the props which most bookmakers will tell you now is 50 percent conservatively of their action when it comes to super bowl handle well so it's our first year so oh that's true derek and i derek and i had a discussion on championship sunday and we wanted the, each other's opinion on what percent of our total handle on Super Bowl would be on props, right? So Derek thought it would be between 15 and 20 percent. Oh, no. Right. I said I thought it would be around 40 percent. But if we got this matchup, I thought it'd be higher because you're not going to see the money line betting, right? Right. And the money line betting would skew the percentages because you'd see large wagers each way on money lines. Let's say the game was a six or a seven, Right. So I, I thought maybe it would creep over 50% because we wouldn't have the large money line. To, as of 9 a.m. this morning, and right, the, the most action will come in the next three days, but as of 9 a.m. this morning, with a little over a million written on the game already, we're at 64% of the action is on the prop skill. 64% on the props. Yeah. Wow. But I would suggest that's going to go down because you're going to get more square betting now. You know what I mean? Don't you think it'll go down, Mike, percentage-wise? Well, yeah, because you'll see the large bets now on the game, on the sides and totals, the 100,000s, 200,000s. So right now we haven't seen that yet, right? I think we took an $80,000 bet on the Chiefs minus one is the largest single wager we've taken so far. But there'll be the masses of people here, and we have 6,000 people at one party, 500 at the other that will pound the props, too, with 20s and 50s and 100s. So it'll be interesting when it all washes out Sunday night. Would you guys mind moving the line for me at Circa to plus 230 <laughs> for about 10 minutes? Yeah. And I can cut you guys in. I'll cut you guys in on 10% of the winnings if I win. And then I'll come in afterwards and I'll bet one United States dollar on it so that you can get away with it. How about that? Todd, uh, the Frank and uh, Anthony Curtis brought uh, Mattress Mac to the D Monday night. Um, they have dinner at Andiamo. Of course, also he asked us to make that wager at plus 120. But I gave the steakhouse director a heads up that, you know, Mac will tell you what he's going to pay for a steak. <laughs> it's the line of the week. <laughs> I love that. All right. I would like to take this moment randomly to uh, pay tribute to the Hard Rock Hotel Casino here in Las Vegas. Uh, yesterday, I, along with my buddy Meltzer, like Seltzer, Mark Meltzer, uh, we met at the Hard Rock in uh, Las Vegas. Now, for those who have listened to this podcast for many, many years, you know that I spent a great deal of my adult life living in that damn building in that hotel casino judge me if you will but it had great memories for me 
it was a massive period of my life where I spent uh, an inordinate amount of time in that building. So yesterday, this is the final week of the Hard Rock. It is going to be shut down on Monday, and it's going to turn in six months later into a Richard Branson uh, Virgin Hotel. Richard Branson, that is. And uh, so we went there yesterday, and the only thing I can say is it was sort of like when Michael Jackson died. I would have thought if you had told me as a kid that Michael Jackson was going to die, I would have been heartbroken. But by the time Michael Jackson actually died in real life, the Michael Jackson that I loved and that so many of us loved had already kind of died already. So by the time he actually physically died, it wasn't quite as emotional. This was what happened at the Hard Rock yesterday. So it completely, you know, as I said, in like 2012, 2013, they had done all these renovations for the sake of renovations. They ruined the circle bar in the middle. Just a crap show what they did there late in their history. So anyway, it was a, uh, a, 10, minutes of, a 10 minutes of a harrowing experience where I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. But I did, uh, did pick, uh, take pictures of the pool. Memories did flood back. And there was a guy. My whole thing was, will there be anybody working there at the sports book or at the diner? That is still there after all these years. And sure enough, I walked into the sports book, and there's this ticket writer, Randy. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Still there. And as soon as I walked in, he looked at me like I was the Yeti. And he goes, Kill? Is that you? And so that was enough for closure for me at the Hard Rock. R.I.P. Pour out a 40 for the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. A huge staple of this podcast for many, many years. Let us talk props. Let's do game props first, and then we'll get to the more exotic ones, if you will, later. All right, Jeff, we start with you. Game-related props. What is your single favorite one? Oh, uh, Gil, based off the list I had this morning for a numbers game, I apparently have nine bajillion ones yes, that I did. probably will bet. Yes, uh, but, uh, look, the one that I've already bet, and look, it's one of those where we're relying on the officials on this one, and I know that. Maybe a scary proposition to folks, but I'm going to, I already am in on, yes, there will be a roughing the passer call at plus 150. Uh, this thing opened at the South Point at minus 120. And then the, on the yes, and then the steam came flying in on the no. The, uh, the yes was as high as plus 160. We are in a high profile scenario with an elite quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. We are in a scenario where Garoppolo uh, already has suffered a knee injury. Granted, it was on a run play, not, a uh, passing play last year against his same team. We are talking about Bill Vinovich, who, uh, even though it was not necessarily his fault, it was uh, he, he was the head ref at the non-call last year in the NFC Championship game in New Orleans. So I think he's going to be a little bit more likely to call something that may not be there. And look, all it takes is one hard crunch on Patrick Mahomes from Nick Bosa, and we're going to get there. So I got I have yes plus one fifty. There will be a roughing the passer penalty called in the Superman. And Jeff, fair to say you've been obsessed with that prop for about 10 days now, I would say. Well, I, 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 that, that is the one that has stood out to me, and it's uh, I, at a plus-money shot, Gil. It is uh, something I'm more than more than happy to lose if it ends up losing. There well, not go. happy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. you got to be lose, willing I, to if, lose it. it. That's right. I am, will, I am willing to lose this one. If, uh, if they play a clean game with the elite pass rush of San Francisco and Frank Clark, who uh, – is already chomping at the bid and, and, and talking smack to D Ford on the other end. Um, I, I, I'll feel all right about myself in the end. Yeah, will Patrick, uh, will Pat Mahomes be too elusive to be roughed? Will Jimmy Garoppolo get enough opportunities to be roughed? Can I comment on Jeff's prop? Please. Because I, too, have been obsessed with this prop, okay? Because I, I think that you're able to get real data on it. So I went back 
Now, obviously, there's only two officials that can call roughing the passer, the referee or the umpire, right? So mm-hmm. Vinovich is one half of that. See, most people Vinovich, don't even know that, Mike. Good knowledge. Yeah, Vinovich's crew over the last four years calls an average of 7.8 roughing the passers per year. Right? Okay. So, so you would think just based on that fact, it's about 50-50, right, whether they're going to call one. Right. So at plus 150 right. would seem a great price. However, yeah. to the point Gil made, Outside of the first game this year at Jacksonville, where Mahomes absolutely got crunched six times, how do they get a clean hit on this guy? He just floats around, and when he does get sacked, it's like they grab him around the ankles and he just falls forward. You know what I mean? So that would seem to move the number a little bit more towards the no. And then, of course, how many passes will Garoppolo throw? And also, he tends to want to just get rid of the ball quicker than take hits. So... I still think your price is right, Jeff. At plus 150, there's value in your side. If it was more towards a pick I would lean under if it was more like minus 115 both ways. But right, I, right. I, I've been obsessed with it as well. It's very interesting. But keep, in, keep in mind, if 7.8 doesn't mean that there was one in seven games and 0.8 in the eighth game, right. it's possible there could have been two in one game, which means that it, it's possible that only six of the 16 games did he actually call one. So, well, also, so that was, also uh, Todd, remember these head officials officiate fourteen games a year in the regular season, uh, as well. They get two bye weeks off, so we're looking at we're looking okay. at one every one every other week, roughly, with Vinovich's crew. Look, there are there are a lot there are a lot of a, a lot of variables that go into this play, I go go into the play here. But I, I just keep coming back to Vinovich was involved. And it wasn't necessarily his fault, but he was involved in the in one of the biggest on-field misses in NFL officiating history last year. If there is anything tight, especially early, they are, to me, especially Vinovich himself, and like Mike correctly said, only two officials can call roughing the passer based off the angles they have. I think Vinovich is going to be more apt to throw a flag on something that may be iffy as opposed, uh, as opposed to if it were a different official in this spot. That's a fine point, too. That's a fine point, young Jeffrey. By the way, on, on Vinovich, Gil, um, there is a prop. Will I scream at the television? I fucking hate that guy. Minus <laughs> 900. You should take the yes. Why do you hate? Minus 2,000. Uh, Todd, why do you hate Bill Vinovich? Because there's almost no referee that I see in an NFL game that doesn't conjure up horrible memories of a terrible call. And he's one of them that is just a, a lingering, like, I'm just angry about him. There's almost none of them. Walt Michaels, I hate. I hate Vinovich. You know, just keep naming names and I'll say I hate him. But there's almost not one of them that I don't hate and say I hate that guy when I see him on the TV. I Todd, only, what, 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 I oh, hold on, Todd. Todd, what a career for Walt Michaels, coach of the Jets and then head official. That's very good. He <laughs> What's means Walt name? Anderson. He means Walt Anderson. That's who well, I mean. By, by, by the way, uh, Walt Anderson <laughs> did uh, get moved off the field for next year, Todd, so you do not have to deal with him. I'm sorry I got the names wrong, but you know I hate all of them. Yes, you know, the, only one, the only one I really hated was Mike Carey. I, I absolutely despised Mike Carey. Really? Yeah, he's one of the few I don't mind. I loved Mike Carey. Oh, I thought he—I thought he was a real prima donna. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand. Mike Carey. Then, Mike Carey was not good in the booth. We all know that, but I loved him as an official. 
Well, did you ever see him, Gil? He never did a Redskins game because of the he hated he hated the racist names. How, how for six years they never made him do a Redskins game? I had a conversation with Mike Carey, a fifteen-minute yeah. conversation with him mm-hmm. at the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at MIT back in the early 2010, so like 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. And I had a discussion with him about certain NFL rules and how they called it the previous year and how I thought some of them were nonsense and others were not. And he, he protected the shield on a few, but then I, did t- then I did get to one where he was like, I don't see anything wrong with that at all. And then as I walked away, he gave me the side eye and a smile. So he knew that uh, I was on to something with one of them. So I really enjoyed Mike Carey anyway. But anyway, uh, Mike, I like your uh, I like your data driven analysis on Jeff's though. I like that kind of stuff. What do you got? Uh, my favorite one goes back to the theory. I think this is just a great matchup and will be a terrific Super Bowl. And so I gave this out yesterday on Mitch and Paul. Largest lead will be under fourteen and a half points. And you spoke to some of those points yeah. about these teams don't trail by large margins. Yeah. Outside of that, outside of that, Houston started twenty four to nothing. Uh, that'd be the only time that this wouldn't have been true for both for both teams for. Uh, for a year and a half at least. Um, I, I just don't see it. You're gonna, it's going to take three consecutive scores, uh, and that's with it at, at sea level. And this, this prop, I bet, at plus 110, you got to shop for it now. I mean, I see it as high as minus 125 in some places, um, but I really like this prop a lot. I think this is a, a one-score game either way. Maybe it doesn't get to a 10-point lead possibly, but the difference between 13-and-a-half and 14-and-a-half is so big on this prop, and we got the higher one, so I'll take it. I like it. Toddy, number one, what do you got? I wrote down a bunch of, a couple of these. I haven't looked through all the props yet, but these were a couple. <laughs> nice were show, prep. Nice show. Way to be consistent the whole f***ing year, Todd. Todd, did, did the Super Bowl <laughs> sneak up on you? Uh, I was busy with Arkansas, South Carolina, second half over. Sorry. Um, it was anyways. on ESPN Radio. Oh my uh, God. Let me just say to Mike uh, Palm in a nice tone, go f*** yourself, Mike. Now, um, I have four of them written down here. Um, I could give you the one that's most correlated to Mike's call because I kind of go with, even though he's an asshole, I think he's right about this. Um, It says one of them was, will game be tied after 0-0 was Pick'em. Minus 115 either way, one of the places I saw it at. And I just think, like Mike was just saying, this is probably going to be a close game, which would add to more chances for it to be tied after 0-0. So that, that's one I kind of like also. Will the game be tied after 0-0? So any tie you get there, 3-3, 7-7, 2-2, any of that cashes uh, at any two, time. 2-2. 2-2. 2-2. How much is that factor into the handicap? 2-2. Would Safety. you like the square circus sports two two after the first quarter? You can get yes. ten thousand to one time. <laughs> yes, two two because there's never been two safeties in the first quarter, so it's possible. Uh, Jeff, you and I, you and I referenced every prop that we've talked about so far on the show today. These are these all came up on the show as well. Talked about the one I just said. Yes, we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Oh, okay. Glad to know that I wasn't uh, out on a limb here. Todd, 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 I legitimately have a list that is two full American printed out pages of potential props to be bet, Todd. So if <laughs> well, that's why I don't have out. time to look. I didn't have time to look through all of them. I'm still betting college basketball. It's amazing that Todd never listens to a numbers game except when he's on. That's funny. But he, he doesn't I listen to it then either, Mike. Cracks whole segment today, so both of you go to hell. He doesn't listen to it when he's on the on the set either. He just waits to speak. <laughs> 
poorly designed set, guys. Poorly designed set. Uh, we're just we're just torching poor Toddy today. My number one prop is uh, courtesy of Bob Stoll, Doctor Bob, who has joined us, I think, on the prop show before on this podcast. Is it about Keevon Looney? I'm sorry, what? Is it about Keevon Looney? Is better than Clay Thompson? <laughs> uh, no, this is about the Super Bowl. And it is uh, under Patrick Mahomes, 33 and a half rushing yards. And as Bob accurately points out, Patrick Mahomes, what we have most recently in our mind is his scamper against the Titans to the house at the end of the first half. Both against the Titans and the Texans, he's playing defenses that play a lot of man coverage. Well, the Niners don't do that. They're, they're more zone. And I'll add on to what Bob has to say that really in the case of the Niners, they close down on offensive players in space quicker than any other team in, in uh, football. 33-and-a-half is a lot of yards. Patrick Mahomes in 35 professional football games as a professional quarterback has gained 28.5 yards or fewer uh, in 28 of those 35, 4 out of 5. So only 20% of the time has he exceeded 28-and-a-half. If you can find a 33-and-a-half, which is out there uh, in many locations, the under is the play on Patrick Mahomes for me. I just don't I don't think well, I this like is the team. Deal. What's that? I like that. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think this is the team where he goes crazy on. Now, can all of these bets be torpedoed by one wacky play? Sure, but that's my number 1 play. Jeff number it's 2 for you. It's not thing. If you watched all his games, he doesn't he's not really a big runner. Yeah. That was a weird thing that he did in that one game. Yep. I agree and people are super influenced by recency, of course. Jeffrey, number two. I'm going to take the Kansas City Chiefs to convert a fourth down. Yes, plus 100. So uh, even money on the Chiefs converting a fourth down. Now, look, we this is a perfect spot for Andy Reid to uh, to to pucker up uh, and not uh, not actually be somewhat aggressive with his elite quarterback and settle for 27 yard field goals on fourth and one. But at some point, Gil, in this game, Kansas City is going to have fourth down and two or fourth and three at the nine or 35-yard line, or even late in the game. If the Chiefs are trailing, trying to get the lead or tie the game late, they're going to have a fourth-down opportunity. The Chiefs uh, have been a great fourth-down team all year long, of course, because of number 15. So, uh, And even money shot at a yes, they will convert a fourth down in the game. I like that. So I'll take Kansas City even money, yes, converting a fourth down. Yes, converting a fourth down, even money from Jeffrey. Mike. I like this prop, and uh, it's been bet a bet to the under. Um, I checked it this morning because I don't want to give out a stale number, but number of 49ers to, to have a reception at seven. I like this under seven. Now, the juice to it is now minus 175. It opened 140 at the south point. It opened at Westgate at five and a half, juiced 130 to the over. I, where are they going to come up with it? In their last five games, there's only been a total of six 49ers that have a reception. Total. That's combining all of them. And uh, in the, both playoff games, there were four. And then the three previous games, six, which is a winner. The two previous games to that seven, which would be a push. It takes eight to beat you. Uh, <clears throat> in their 18 games this year, they've only had eight or more people to catch a, uh, a reception Twice, and both times was against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, so I think there's a lot of value in that here. I still think they're going to try to run the ball first uh, against this Kansas City defense and get and get wide uh, with their rushing attack, which is actually uh, 
uh, has more chunk plays than you would think. I mean, they run, but they, they, they're not running for three yards. They're running for eight to eight to 12 on a lot of these plays. So uh, I'll go under seven 49ers with a reception. Under seven 49ers with a reception. I don't even remember seeing that one. Mm-hmm. I like the thinking. I like the thinking on that. Jimmy G, of course, would have to throw seven passes, of course, to uh, <laughs> to make that happen. Todd? Yeah, I'm going to go with a, a, a Robbie Gould under seven and a half points plus 105. Mm. And here's my thinking. If, if the Chiefs are ahead, it's quite possible the Niners are going to have to be going for touchdowns. Uh, also, I think it's got to be in the back of their head that you're not going to beat the Niners. You're not going to beat the Chiefs kicking field goals. So I got to think that Mr. Shanahan is going to be thinking fourth and three at the 27. Let's just go for it. You know, we can't afford to get to get three. So under seven and a half points for Robbie Gold, because if they score 31, you still win because that would be three plus four extra points is seven. So I'm thinking if they get 31, you win. You know, basically, that's the bad number. You don't want them to get 27, of course. That would be bad. But 31 is your magic number and below. And I think you're in pretty good shape in uh, Robbie Gouldland. Hey, Todd, Todd, at South Point, this number's eight and a half. But juice then I'll take it. Eight and a half minus 130 right now. Okay, well, then I'll take that one even better. Yeah. Like with so many props, that's a great illustration of correlating your game handicap or the way you feel the game will go trajectory wise with a prop bet so if for instance todd had felt that uh san francisco was going to run away with this game perhaps he wouldn't feel that way but based on the the sort of game script he just described san francisco perhaps coming from behind not necessarily kicking field goals whatever it is um you like the under on robbie gould well i just got to think that that they got to think that they're not going to beat Mahomes with field goals. You know what I mean? That's good thinking. Jeff, you were a little oppo on that this morning, weren't you? Uh, yeah, don't worry, Gil. I'm getting to it in, in my third one. Oh, so, coming so we'll, up. Uh, we'll, we'll, uh, Ooh, we'll get there. We're portent of things to come. My number two, um, I gave a shout-out to uh, Dr. Bob on the first one. I'll give a shout-out to Rufus Peabody on this one um, because someone pointed me to his podcast yesterday to, to listen to a specific thing, and on the way to trying to find that specific thing, I heard him talking about this prop, and I actually love it because – like with what Mike was talking about with his, I love something that's data-driven on these. And we're talking about will there or will there not be an onside kick? This is a prop that's not available everywhere, but you can find it. It's out there. Um, it's called an onside kick. No, it's an that onside was kick. That was a joke, Gil. It was a joke. Oh, because you joke. messed it up earlier? That's right. Okay, gotcha. So the no, right now, I'll tell you the price I bet it. The price that I got it at was, and I don't want to lie, I'm going to look it up right now. Uh, I got it at minus 262 on the no. Now, Rufus tells us, and Rufus knows his stuff, there have been a grand total of 62 onside kicks in the entire National Football League thus far this year. 62. And now, a lot of the reason for that number being so low these days is because the rate at which onside kicks are recovered is so much lower than it used to be given new rules. So people don't even attempt them that much. Now, the counter-argument to this would be, hey, it's a tight spread, though, and who knows, this could come down to an onside kick. Well, yes, obviously it could. But they just don't happen nearly as often as, they, as we think they do anymore. And we have a lot of situations late game where teams still have a full allotment or two timeouts left where they have decisions of, should I 
kick the onside kick or kick away. And more often than not these days, they'll kick away because of what we just said about the low rate of onside kick uh, recoveries. So I played the no at minus 262. There's only been 62 of these. Like Jeff said before, one of these bets, I always say it on the numbers game, you got to be willing to uh, to make bets and willing to lose sometimes. So this is one of those. One of these bets that I'm absolutely happy to tip my cap to if I lose on the no, minus 262 on the onside kick. Is it an attempted one or uh, it's an attempted one, right? It's an attempted one, correct. Okay. <laughs> yes. If it was a recovered one, you'd have to multiply that by 10. That's right. Right. Right, unless I had, unless it was in the Bengals uh, Dolphins game, and I had <laughs> Dolphins, in which case it'd be even money that the Bengals would, of course, give up an onside kick. So good job. Honestly, when we look back on this season, like if we had to pick one moment that most characterized not only your betting season, but maybe just betting the NFL, but certainly your NFL betting season, was that Bengals, <laughs> was that Bengals Dolphins game, where literally it was one of those games where. We've all been there, certainly early in our betting careers, maybe more than, than later, but we've all been there at some point where you're like, okay, well, in order for me to win this game, all I need is for them to score right now and then to recover an onside kick and then to score again and have a two-point conversion and then to recover another onside kick and then score again with a two-point conversion. And that was actually that game. <laughs> Todd lost. Gil, here's the thing. I have the worst onside kick BABIP in the history of onside <laughs> kick BABIP. Because if you remember, I also lost on two onside kick in college games that got returned for touchdowns. And in the famous Yom Kippur massacre story, onside kicks were involved in that as well. Have you ever told the Yom Kippur massacre story on this podcast? I don't think so. Next Yom Kippur, we will tell that story. Um, But it's been told on a numbers game uh, a few times. By the way, Todd has referenced the, the term BABIP twice now. BABIP, for those who remember during our baseball podcast, stands for batting average on balls in play, which is really a, uh, a commentary on a pitcher's luck or lack thereof. In other words, once a ball cracks off the opponent's bat, the pitcher no longer has control as to where that ball lands within the field of play. And so generally, if a pitcher has a BABIP of, say, the low 200s, just like a batting average, let's say of 214, as opposed to 353, just to give the, ex- the the opposite extremes, league average on BABIP is about 298. When they have a, a BABIP that's 353, let's say, that's a really unfortunate, unlucky BABIP. And so what Todd was referring to with, uh, not with Kirk Cousins, you were referring to it with Jimmy G, where he like throws the ball right in the chest of defenders and they happen to drop it, that was his football equivalent to that. And then when you just used it here, you're referring to the fact that while mere mortals typically don't recover onside kicks, they always seem to go against you. Well, no, let's put it, let's put it realistically. You can go a whole life betting and never have an onside kick returned against you and never have a Cincinnati Bengals situation. But I had three in one season. So you tell me what my BABIP is on that bull. Well, no, Todd, what would you tell everybody? What's at play here? Who hates you? Hashem. It's all about Hashem. I was going to bring up Hashem, but, uh, you know, you know, you know, uh, he doesn't deserve any any publicity in the Megapod at all. I've already given him too much publicity. Could you explain to the people what Hashem means, Todd? They can look it up. <laughs> okay. They can look it up. Such a it's help. just like a Gil, It's just like a numbers game. He wants the listeners to look everything. Up. Yeah, that's right. Don comes on a numbers game and just says, "Hey, I wonder if uh, I want to get <laughs> listeners to do all the I'm research." I'm trying to help. The common good, Mike. I know as an owner of a casino, you're against the common good. But wow. I 
like the common good. Wow. What casino do I own? I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, own is the wrong word. Uh, are a high-level employee uh, with casino interests, which, as we know, are not against. They are against the public good. Thank you. <laughs> this has been public service announcement for people for the ethical treatment of degenerates. You uh, sound just like Alan Dershowitz at the impeachment hearings of Donald J. Trump, huh? Oh, if you mean I was making no sense, I agree with you. Oh, don't get political. <laughs> oh, you, oh. You he took the bite. Took the, took the, the bait. bait. Couldn't help himself. All right, Jeff. Todd, I want to know what Todd feels Grand Valley State should do with offensive coordinator Morris Berger, oh, who, said that, who said that he'd like to have dinner with Hitler because he was such a great leader, the way he rallied people around him. He wants to know how he did that. He's currently suspended, and there's a lot of controversy on his future. Todd, do you have thoughts? Well, I'm going to let Gil handle this one. Um, he's more uh, up on his uh, Hitler defensive coordinator statistics. Um, <laughs> as far as I know, Hitler never shut any offense down. He was all offense, no defense. So uh, I'm not really sure whether I'd have Hitler in the defensive coordinator room. He seems more like an offensive coordinator. I would uh, I would say the following that uh, the person in question wiped out an entire generation of my family and like so many of my fellow tribesmen that's the case and so I would just say too soon for the defensive coordinator. Yes, and too you know soon. of course when all, everybody gets mad at me for joking around about it. Um, obviously, you know saying things about Hitler in the. But I mean, do we even have to discuss how ridiculous that is? We don't. We obviously don't. Any human being that would say something like that obviously has about 800 screws loose. So, And that's probably why they're at Grand Valley State. <laughs> oh, see? Shot at Grand Valley State before we could uh, finish that. Nice, Todd. Uh, Jeff, you're... you're we're going to get a lot of feedback on this one. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, number three, Super Bowl 54 game prop, that is. Well, um, because I like uh, needling Todd, and I like us every once in a while going against Todd yes. because he'll claim that I saved him. He saved me from endless losers when that's only partially true. Um, the uh, the I'm going with Robbie Gold Pickham to have more points than Harrison Butker, even money yes. on Gold. This uh, two, we could we could get, both lose. We could both win, Jeff. That's yes, I, we absolutely absolutely can. And here's the deal, Todd. Here's the good deal, guys. I, to me, in this game, Kansas City scores touchdowns. San Francisco kicks field goals. That's what the big difference is. And then at 31-27, I'm no mathematician, but the way that I would get there would be four Kansas City touchdowns and one field goal. That would be seven points for Butker. And 27 for San Francisco would get there with three touchdowns and two field goals. So that would mean Robbie Gold has three more points in the end than Harrison Butker. So I look. I I I, I, I also I also trust gold it would more be than I seven, wouldn't it? No, Todd. It would be uh, yes. You're right. It would be two more. Correct. Todd's correct. It would be nine seven. Uh -huh. uh, again, no mathematician over here. But but I will say this though too. <laughs> I trust Robbie Gold to make kicks more than Harrison Butker in this spot. Gold's never missed in his career in the postseason. It's a big spot for Butker, who's been phenomenal as the Chiefs kick Chiefs kicker. But it is the biggest stage he will have ever kicked on. So I'll take the more reliable veteran kickers never missed in the postseason to score more points, and I'm getting even money on it. All right. I like it. You two should fight about that one. 
Mike Palm, third and final. Well, I'm going to take a very long shot here, Gil. And I took it last year with the same kind of scenario at an MVP at 100 to 1. I took Zerloin last year at 100 to 1. And believe me, that was live into the fourth quarter. Yeah. uh, That type of a game. But it goes to a little bit what Jeff said about field goals. And I think Robbie Gold has just been excellent reviving his career this year in San Francisco. I'm going to take Robbie Gold at 100 to 1 for MVP. Uh, and, and that probably would break Todd's bet, but, uh, kicker ever won the MVP. What if Robbie gold, what if Robbie gold kicks four field goals? Two of them are 50 yards. They win the game by one or two. Garoppolo stats are not shiny because they run the ball a lot. Mostert runs for one ten or something. Nobody really stands out and you have a kicker that wins the game and has made several few. I think it's worth it. You know, for fifty bucks at a hundred to one to take a little shot there. Wow! Has a kicker ever won an MVP in any game in the history of all football sports at any level? Yes, Super Who? Bowl five, Jim O'Brien, Baltimore Colts. Okay, so there's precedent. Yes, uh, and Mark We're getting a hundred to one, and it happened one in every fifty-three times. And Mark Mosley, <laughs> and Mark Mosley, <laughs> Mark Mosley was the National Football League MVP in nineteen hundred and eighty-two. I'll have you know. But he didn't deserve that, and that still it was ridiculous. That that straight on kicking style. Come Mo- on, Mark. Mo- how are you going to say he didn't deserve it? You damn right he deserved it. First of all, he was the most ugly looking kicker I've ever seen. That straight on kicking style Man. was just ridiculous. Shut Todd, up. you're trying to say that Mark Mosley didn't present well. Yeah, he didn't. Present- he didn't present well. <laughs> That's exactly right, Mike. Oh God, call Mike. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the light of the show, whether you know it or not. By the way, do you guys remember who else used to kick straight on, like Mark Mosley? Everybody did back in the day. Most of them did. Well, I can, I can just remember the Cleveland Browns kicker, Don Cockroft. Yeah, Don Cockroft used to, did. He used, to, he used to kick straight, but I can't remember too many more. You remember more, aside from Dempsey, who kicked the, but he didn't have a foot. Well, I'm talking about guys with actual feet. Yeah, didn't like George Blanda <laughs> kick straight on, like guys like that? They all did back in but the day. I'm talking about in our era, once we started watching football. Was there was there many people who kicked straight on? Almost none. Yeah, no, until we were like, until Mosley retired. Like when we were kids, there was a bunch of them, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. Who else? I, I'm who, trying to think of just cause I can't Just because I can't name them doesn't mean I'm wrong, Todd. I don't know. I didn't say you. I didn't but, say you were wrong. But Mosley just... was the last one. Mosley was the last one. Anyway, so there has been it was more. Fat, Mike, Mike could have you know skipped. A, Mark Mosley could have skipped a couple dinners. Tom Dempsey clubbed it straight on. Yeah, exactly. But I, I said Tom Dempsey, but he oh, was really did. before our time. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about in the '80s. Once we got to the '80s, I can't remember anybody besides Don Cockroft and uh, and Mark Mosley. Yeah, Other by, than that, I can't by remember. mid '80s they were all gone. Yeah, that's for sure. All right. And you notice we no longer have guys with, who kick with no shoes. That was another thing. Tony Remember Franklin. Remember they had Tony Franklin and Rich Carlos. Rich Carlos, yeah. 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 Yeah, what the hell were they Why? Thinking? Why is that? How come there's nobody who kicks without shoes anymore? Well, we were talking about that with left-handed quarterbacks. Like Tua Tagovailoa is like the return of a left-handed quarterback. What happened to all the left-handed quarterbacks? What was that, what was that trivia question I asked on the air, Jeff, because I was so fascinated by this? Who was the last left-handed quarterback to throw a touchdown pass in the NFL? What was the answer? Do you remember? It's like Kellen, no, it's like Kellen Moore or somebody like that. Like, it's been ages. And so that was another thing. that, Like, why did that disappear? So Tua's kind of like this strange throwback in that regard. All right, Todd, we're on Gil, you, right? Gil. Yes. Gil, I have a hard out here right now for a meeting. 
Okay, Mike, we bid you adieu. Would you like to give your final reflection on the first year of the Megapod on your way out the door? I will. Um, I'd just like to say that I didn't know what I was getting into when, when you asked, Gil. Uh, I just knew it was you and Todd and, and uh, a collection of guests. Um, but uh, looking back on it, it was a, a great decision to join. Um, it, and mainly because of, uh, because of the guests that did come on. I mean, we had, we had some outstanding guests, and you learned something different from each one. I, I recall the great uh, conversation on halftime versus in-game wagering with Rufus, uh, the show with Ed Fing, of course, having the uh, founder and president of the Megapod Todd fan club, Michael Lombardi, on several times. <laughs> it was great, and... And who could ever forget the show where Todd abused Dr. Bob? So I want to <laughs> who thank. Could ever? I, w- I would like to thank Gil. I'd like to thank Todd, like all the guests, and record, please, and, and most importantly, the listeners. Thank you, and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl. Thank you, Mike Palm. Mike Palm always heartfelt. Say what you will about Mike Palm. Say what you will, and I know they will. But that guy is heartfelt, and I appreciate that about Mike Palm. Thank you, Mikey. All right, take care, fellas. Mike Palm, ladies and gentlemen, on his way to a meeting. He's got a thing. Uh, Todd, your final game-related prop. Well, um, um, I'm kind of torn between two of them that I wrote down, so can I just give them both real quick? Yes. Okay. So I took Breda under receptions a half a reception. I can't remember Breda getting the ball thrown to him. What about Breda? In fact, Matt Breda? (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What did you say? I said, what about Breda, though? Go ahead. I'm kidding. All right. Oh, so Matt Breida, I just don't remember him catching a lot of balls. I mean, I didn't go back and do all the stats on how many balls he's caught, but they're not throwing the ball anyways. Well, they don't, trust, gonna... they don't trust him to be in the lineup anymore after all the fumbles. So Right, which is another good thing because they can't yeah. throw it to him if he's on the sideline, right? Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, your, your play there is that he just doesn't get in enough, you know, if but at all. If, right, he's probably not going to get in. Coleman's going to be in. And and uh, there's another running back that gets a lot of touches, but the, the point is, you mean Mostert? They don't throw, right? Mostert. That's what. <laughs> that's what. Yeah. Oh my um, god! Yeah, I can't remember all the goddamn names. There's too many names. I'm sorry. Okay, the point is Mostert. I was thinking of Mostert. Mostert and Coleman is who we've been seeing lately. We haven't really been seeing uh, Brita lately. And then even when we did see Brita. You don't remember him really catching the ball too often, and you don't even remember Coleman or Mostert getting too many passes thrown to them either. So, you know, I just don't know how they're going to get, you know, more than one catch to breed us. So well, I'm going to go under We were talking about we – you're going under on the half there. We, we were talking, Jeff and I, on numbers game today about these 49ers props like that of Mostert or Coleman or Brita, and really there's so many variables you touched on. Will Coleman play? It appears like he will. How much he'll play? Who knows? Uh, will Brita get in? I don't think so. Kyle Shanahan doesn't seem to trust him. As far as Mostert is concerned, it's like the Jimmy Garoppolo thing we said earlier. Are you going to get the Jimmy Garoppolo who didn't throw passes in the playoffs, or the guy who really was leading the way all season for them during the regular season? With Mostert, it's the same thing. Like, are you getting the kid that was undrafted out of Purdue that was kind of like a uh, you know complimentary player? Or are you getting this kid who's John Riggins in the playoffs? Like, which guy are you going to get? And I don't know that even Kyle Shanahan knows quite yet, right? Like, much of that will be determined by how the game goes. So because of that, it makes all those specific props very dicey, I would say. What was the other one, Todd? 
The other one was the obvious one that I was talking about before, which was, will Jimmy G throw an interception? And I said, yes, at minus 140. I just think that we talked about his uh, interception BABIP and all that stuff, especially if he has to throw the ball a lot this game. I don't think they're going to get away with the old just run it 800 million times game plan against Kansas City like they did the last couple weeks. I think they're going to have to throw the ball, and especially if they're behind in this game, Jimmy might try to force some stuff. And uh, we know his San Francisco receivers sometimes have butterfingers, and the balls can tip in the air. There's, you know, I just think minus 140 is a good chance he could throw a pick. Hmm. Um, you know, also generally speaking, by the way, Garoppolo threw a lot of picks early in the season. He was much more reliable throwing a pick early. So uh, there certainly was a stretch of the year where that was uh, almost a sure thing. Uh, we were saying on the show this morning, how, if you are a better that wants to bet the unders, on a lot of these props. Let's just say there's a lot of the yardage stuff, whether it's Mostert for the Niners, whether it's Mahomes, let's say for the Chiefs, are you an under better? You're better off waiting because the public loves to bet overs. They're wired. Brains are wired for optimism. And so these, these numbers will probably go higher more likely than they will go lower. So if you want unders, you might as well wait on a lot of these. That's generally the Super Bowl trajectory. Though Crackman was on the show this morning and he was like, well, I don't know, you know, with the San Francisco numbers, maybe so because there's a lot of San Francisco, you know, a lot of California people may come into Vegas. So if you're betting them in Vegas, that might be the case, but it's not necessarily the case in New Jersey, which is an interesting thing to think about. So because there's regional things to uh, consider as well, which I thought was an interesting point, which brings- that, that's not going to affect my breed, is it? No, Brita to me is, is he playing or is he not? And I don't think he's going to play much. So you may just win. I mean, your bet is that Kyle Shanahan just doesn't trust him. That's pretty much your bet, I would say. Brita is so damn fast, though, man. That dude is awesome. Just can't hold on to the ball. All right, then finally, gentlemen, this is sort of the uh, the category that we've come to uh, be known for on this podcast through the years. For many years, I got the half times right year after year. I got tripped up by Coldplay the year that they were in. I picked the wrong song. My thoughts are on the national anthem, but Jeff, we'll start with you. What do you like here in terms of exotic prop or props? You know, Gil, I'm not really a huge, uh, huge fan of any of this, but I think I'm going to ride the uh, ride the steam in the Gatorade bath. And there you of go. Course, uh, of, of course, uh, the, uh, the 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 purple has been bet like crazy since the tragic. Uh, tragic death of kobe bryant his daughter and the uh, seven others on that helicopter in calabasas on sunday and uh gil i i think it has a lot of legs to it uh unfortunately uh so i will there's still plus 120 out there on purple gatorade being the shower uh there i also see also see uh, and crack said this this morning on a numbers game that uh there were there was no gatorade bath uh, bath on either side in either the AFC or NFC Championship game, That's right. so I wouldn't be shocked. If, I wouldn't be shocked if there if there would be a, a a no option that there is none. That was nine to one at DraftKings in New Jersey. So I think those are probably the two that I would take flyers on. And the but in places that there's no no, there's no no. Then what do they do? How do they grade that if there's no bath, Gil? It's an excellent question. You always have to read the fine print of these props depending on the shop you're betting at. Do they say they will refund it? Do they not say that? Always have to be careful with this stuff. You should check the uh, the fine print on all these props because a lot of these come down to the bookmaker deciding how to grade them, and those are 
the controversies you want to avoid. The purple, though, being the theory, just to clarify what Jeff was saying, uh, is a tribute to Kobe Bryant, the Lakers purple, from their purple and gold. Uh, and I never got a chance to talk about this on this show, but obviously have on the radio show for the whole week. I am gutted by the Kobe Bryant passing. I, I would never have... I'm older than Kobe, so I was not of the generation that were Kobe fanboys. I was the Michael Jordan generation. And... I wouldn't have expected, like I talked about the Michael Jackson thing earlier vis-a-vis the hard rock. Like if you had told me Michael Jackson's going to die, you're going to, how do you think you'll feel? And I'd be like, oh my God, I would be devastated. Like if you had told me about Kobe and it's a morbid thing to think about, but I don't know that I would have processed how affected I would have been. It just turns out that Kobe Bryant, even though I wasn't like a Kobe fanboy, I loved Kobe Bryant in ways that I probably didn't even acknowledge. And we've talked about it with so many guests through the, through the week. Why is that? Why is it that someone who doesn't know him personally certainly appreciated his basketball accolades? Uh, he's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He was a Laker for 20 years, 18 years an All-Star, five rings, two NBA Finals MVPs, one league MVP, two Olympic gold medals, fourth leading scorer of all time even after LeBron passes him, on and on and on and on. But what was it, besides the otherworldly talent, why do people like me or a generation that really didn't even grow up watching Kobe, that was older watching him, why do we love him so much? And I think it's the relatability. I think it's the fact that he seemed to be a super good guy and, and relatable. Work ethic was just off the charts. He was a great father, relished in, in being a father of four girls. He seemed, unlike Jordan, for instance, to be a nice guy who wasn't a dick. Jordan, there's endless stories about Jordan being a dick in public. And Kobe wasn't that guy. And so I think there's a lot of relatable things. And someone said this, and I cannot remember who said this, and I think this more than anything. Because I think the best tribute was given by L. Duncan at ESPN talking about Girl Dad and her story with Kobe Bryant. If you haven't seen that, look it up on YouTube. It is heart-wrenching. But the, the last thing I'll say is, and I, I really wish I remember who said this, it's hard to imagine anyone who wasted less time in their life than Kobe Bryant did in his 41 years. Because you think about all he packed into it. What he did after his career, creatively, won him an Oscar. Anyway, that's my tribute to Kobe Bryant, who I, even when I see it on the TV screen this many days later, I find it hard to process. I cannot believe that he's no longer with us. And as Jeff said, uh, his beautiful daughter, 13-year-old Gianna, and the seven others who died in that uh, helicopter. I was looking at the flight pattern uh, yesterday and just how they were ve- they veered out of the normal uh, route. It was just uh, just awful, just awful. Anyway, I didn't mean to like stray that, but since we were talking about the Gatorade and purple, thought I'd say that. Todd, what is yours of any of these? Do you have any of these? I have a cross sport that I like. Okay, and it's and it's this one, uh, St. John's. You get plus three and a half points. So you get the St. John's score, plus you get to add three and a half, will be longer than the longest TD drive in the game. So, for example, if St. John's gets 76, you get 79 and a half. As long as no one has a touchdown drive longer than 79 and a half yards, you win. So I'm taking St. John's plus three and a half to be longer, higher score than the longest touchdown drive. And here's why. St. John's is an up-tempo team. They're playing Georgetown, another crazy running team that just loves to run and gun. The first game, Georgetown won 87-66. Note, 
There were 76 possessions in the game. And Georgetown, even when they were up 15, was running because they're not smart enough to realize that they might want to take some time off the clock. So they play one style and one style only. As long as they're not playing a team like Butler, who will intentionally down, they play fast, fast, fast. 76 possessions in a college basketball game is a lot of possessions. St. John's is at home. There's no reason why they couldn't get to 80 in this game but even if they get the 75 in this game you're getting 78 and a half for your score and now somebody in the super bowl has to get a longer than 78 and a half yard drive which is not the easiest thing to do uh, i looked over some of the drives in the playoffs and you know there were a couple 90 yard drives but you know these teams are slightly better defenses certainly the niners are a better defense so um, you know, let's hope that uh, St. John's gets 97 points in their game against Georgetown, and it's impossible for me to lose. All right. I like it. Well done, Todd. Uh, my two, uh, in conclusion, are national anthem props. These are available at uh, Bovada and some other uh, offshore spots. I think New Jersey has some of these national anthem props up as well. Uh, will Demi Lovato's microphone be on a microphone stand singing the national anthem? The yes is at minus 160. The no at plus 120. Take the yes. She's not singing the national anthem holding a mic. It will be on a microphone stand. Let's not be stupid. What does she usually do when she sings the national anthem? It's on a stand. And I'm, oh, glad, okay. and I'm glad you asked, young Todd, because there have been five instances of young Demi Lovato having sung a national anthem on a big stage like this. Uh, first four times was at a Thanksgiving game in the NFL in 2008, game five of the 2011 World Series, the game before the amazing David Freeze cardinals rangers game, game four of the World Series in 2012, San Francisco Giants, baby. Uh, and then what game, game is that? And then game four of the uh, World Series in 2015, uh, with the uh, Royals winning that particular year. But every time she sang it those four years, she sang it well over, uh, well under, pardon me, well under two minutes. Not well under, but under two minutes every time. But the fifth and final time she sang it on a big stage was at the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight in 2017. And I was telling Jeff this morning and the audience, I don't remember her singing this because at that point I was coming to terms with how much money I had bet on this fight. So like I have no, I have no recollection of her. I was nervous eating. But we played it this morning on a numbers game, and it went about what would you say two oh nine, Jeff? Is that what we settled on? Yeah, it was. It was between two oh nine and two eleven. So it was well over basically anything you're going to be finding in the market. So her recent, her recency is is long. She sang the hell out of that song the hell out of it and she milked the end and she braved like on brave she let that go uh for a good distance i don't think there's any way that demi lovato having come off personal issues having made her triumphant return on the grammys this past week and she like she had an emotional start to that song that she sang on the grammys she had to restart i don't think there's any way she's gonna get on a super bowl stage first time ever for her and just kind of run through it as quickly as possible. I think this is a big moment in her life. She is going to take all the time she needs. Maybe not Alicia Keys, two minutes and 17 seconds long, but it's going to be long. Over 204. Over 204. Demi Lovato, National Anthem. Book it. And 
Here's another factor. Um, I, like Demi Lovato, have an eating disorder. And people who have eating disorders who go to Super Bowl parties are faced with tons and tons of food choices. It gives them lots of anxiety. If she's going to a Super Bowl party, she's probably going to have some anxiety. It probably will slow her down on the national anthem. Minus 130 on the over 204 available in multiple locations. Todd, thank you for the first year of the Megapod. I appreciate it, man. We've enjoyed having you, even though your singing is god-awful. I don't even know what to say about that, but I was just hoping Casey and the Sunshine Band would be the one to get to sing the national anthem because that would be, you know, most fitting, would it not? Why don't they ever ask Casey? He's only a 1,000 years old. Why don't they ask him? (laughs) I want... I want him to bring back the entire band, and they all wear those tuxedos with no shirts, ah. and the whole thing. Oh, it would be so amazing. Such a great Absolutely. look. In Miami. You know but Miami's I, their town, too. It, it would be really oh, appropriate. Oh, that's right, because remember they were featured in the, in the movie Blow. Remember when, when they're all doing the cocaine at that party, <laughs> and, in, and in the background, Casey and Sunshine, that song Keep It Coming Love is, is in the background. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I don't, but I will take your word for it. Unblow. Well, so, yes. There you go. Perfect example. Blow was all about Miami cocaine, yeah. right? No, I, that much I understand. Uh, and Jeff Parlay, ladies and gentlemen, who was not a regular every week on this show, but had to fill in multiple times besides the times that he was actually invited to be the guest. What were you on, like five or six of these this year, Jeff? I was on a lot, and I only got yelled at by one person uh, the entire time, and that ended up being my greatest victory on the Megapod, which was, of course, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Trapping themselves against the Tennessee Titans in the divisional round. Who, so uh, who yelled at yeah, you? Yeah, who yelled at you? Oh, you, oh, one of one of the great one of our great Twitter followers uh, called said said my take that the, it's hard that the Ravens are going to have a clunker because it's hard to have fourteen straight flawless games. Said it was the worst handicapping of all time. And then when I called him out about it after the result, he was like, I didn't say it was the worst one of, of all course. time. It was really fun. Of it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Ah, Twitter. But but Gil, uh, really appreciate it, and uh, I, and everyone who listens to this uh, wonderful podcast every week, uh, I, I have a feeling that you'll be hearing a little bit more of me come next year as well, Gil. So yes. it'll be uh, it'll be real good. I look forward to that. Jeff Parlay, Todd Wishnet from Mike Palm, who uh, had to scat earlier. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Super Bowl Megapod and for listening to the Megapod and guessing lines all season long. Our ninth season and Vegas lifestyle. My God. The response to the Vegas Lifestyle Show last week was as big as it ever was, and we appreciate that. We'll do a 10th annual one next year. To everybody, good luck with all your Super Bowl bets, props, and game. Thank you so much for listening. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
There's plenty to celebrate in March and Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free.